Let's pray. Father, we want to hear from you tonight. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would illumine the path before us as we look at your word. God, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts and our minds. We want to experience you afresh tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, uh, this evening, I'd like for us to consider Genesis chapter 3 and Ecclesiastes chapter 3 as a springboard for our Lenten journey corporately as a church, but I want to implore us also to consider these same chapters of Scripture for our personal Lenten journeys. In Genesis 3, which is way at the beginning of the book, we find our first parents, Adam and Eve, in the Garden of Eden. As we peek into that garden on that fateful day, the serpent is tempting and manipulating and tricking Adam and Eve to disobey the good and godly counsel of the Father. Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You will not surely die. Your eyes will simply be opened and you will be like God. Unfortunately, if you've read any further than that, you know that they took the bait. They ate from the forbidden tree and the perfect creation of God became marred and fractured and broken. Most of us know the rest of the story there, how God showed up in the garden. He asked where they were, why they were hiding. We know that Adam then blame shifted and threw his wife under the bus. Not good, Adam. Then we see that God doles out punishment or the consequences to the serpent first, then to Eve and all of womankind after her, and lastly to Adam and all of the males who would follow. And it's here that I want us to pick up. It's the consequence of sin to Adam and all who follow. It says this, By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Now obviously this um, includes all the females, because females will also go to the dust as well. And what God is doing here is he's forecasting the entrance, that with the entrance of sin, physical death comes with it. Physical death has now entered the once perfect creation. In an instant, death is born. And this death is metaphorized and literalized by dust or dirt. Adam was made from dust, and his body will one day return to that same state because of physical death. To be more granular, his cells decayed. Adam is dirt now. His cells have degenerated into dust, and so shall you and I one day. Genesis 3.19 is where we get the imposition of ashes or dust from. You'll hear this verse in a few moments when you come up, should you choose to receive the ashes or the dust. You are dust, and to dust you shall return. Um, as we heard earlier from Robert in the prayer book, we begin Lent with Ash Wednesday. It's a way of marking the season, the 40 days. Ash Wednesday is a day of feasting and reflection and repentance that simply carries on for another 40 days, fasting, reflection, and repentance. But what's up with the forehead thing? I'm so glad you asked. Because I'm still relatively new to uh, this 
church calendar and collars and all the things that we do here in the Anglican church. My Baptist and Bible church background never engaged the season of Lent or any church season really. The imposition of ashes in the form of a cross on our foreheads, it's a symbol of our mortality. We are not immortal beings. We will perish. But it's also a symbol of our penitence. And so when we see each other later at HEB getting groceries, what it says is, oh, you know the same thing that I know. Because I see that thing on your forehead, I've got it too. You know that sin wrecked creation, that we inherited that nature. You know that we missed the mark, that one day we will both be in the ground, that our life is but a vapor. You're one of those. You know the same thing that I do. Lent uh, is a season where we consider our sin nature and our specific sinful proclivities, to be sure, where we fast from certain appetites or activities to help us practice repentance, where we may choose to take on a spiritual discipline or practice to deepen our attention to God. And if you're like me, you've approached most Lenten journeys and most seasons uh, on this very day looking at this journey of Lent and this season through the lens of sin and repentance only. But the season of Lent is also an invitation. It's an invitation to consider your manner of life, the way that you live, both the bad and the good. King Solomon uh, was the richest and arguably the wisest of all kings in Israel's history. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, he seems to uh, go through a Lenten journey of his own. If you've read it, you know it's pretty great. Here's what he says in chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth just keeps spinning. It remains. Solomon, it seems like you're having a bad day when you're writing chapter one. You might be a disgruntled Enneagram four. You're definitely not a seven. And I would surmise, and if you'll let me, um, I'd like to propose that the book of Ecclesiastes is essentially King Solomon's journal. It's his journal entries from this grand experiment that he goes on to explore the essence or the meaning of life. He's considering life on a meta scale. He's not just considering his life, but the lives of all of humans. His conclusion, though, is fairly bleak. Listen to what he says of, in 2.18 through 23. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because... I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. And this too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill. And then they must leave all that they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? Verse 23. All their days their work is grief and pain. Even at night their minds do not rest. This too 
is meaningless. What I hear from Solomon is just the outworking of Genesis chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, which says this. This is in the garden. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. You will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow. You will eat your food until you return to the ground. Um, Exactly 63 minutes ago, uh, 73, sorry, um, I picked Addison up from tumbling, and she was like, why are you dressed up? I was like, well, i got to go back to work. And then she asked this question. She goes, why, why is there work? To which I replied, well, because of sin. She's like, well, that's not cool. I was like, yeah, you just got to take it up with Adam one day, okay? Like, and I thought it was a really beautiful question by a six-year-old girl. Like, why do we have to work? Because it wasn't always this way. But it's because of sin. And when sin entered, it broke everything. And sure, there's great things about working. But I just, I loved what came out of her mouth this, this just 73 minutes ago. So what we find in the first two chapters of Ecclesiastes is that the preacher, the teacher, he's saying that all of this seems meaningless. But then we get to chapter three and there's a bit of a lifting of his spirits. It's not all doom and gloom. Here is his survey of humanity's plight. It is both good and it's hard. Listen to his wise words from chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. You probably know this. There is a time for everything, and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace. A time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war. In a time of peace. I want to invite us to enter into this Lenten journey with honesty, just like King Solomon, because what I had just heard from him in 3, 1 through 8 was an honest assessment of life. It's good, but it can be really hard too. And this is where we stand. So I want to invite us all together as a community to take this journey with honesty. Where are we failing? Where are we failing ourselves? Where are we failing others? What is their good and that we should just pursue to the hilt? What season am I in? If it's a season wherein I'm supposed to be lying fallow, don't fight it by incessant striving and planting. Consider your life by asking the Lord to reveal the state of your heart. In a moment, you will have the opportunity uh, to come up here to receive the imposition of ashes. This is a physical act. It's a symbol of what we're entering into spiritually in the season of Lent. There's nothing magical about it. It's just ashes. It's just dust. 
But I found it really helpful uh, to mark this season. And I've found that it helps me uh, push me into the season wherein we are looking at our manner of life, both the good and the difficult. We'll talk a lot more about this coming this Sunday, but what do we give our time to? What do we give our attention to? What do we give our talents to? And, and when you come to receive the imposition of ashes, it's a reminder that your physical body and my physical body will one day go back to dust, to the earth. Um, you may have noticed that things are a little bit different in the sanctuary. We've removed some chairs on the outside, but there's also an art installation. These come from our very own Marcus Clark over here. Um, these are 28 pieces on the seasons or human experiences described in Ecclesiastes 3 that we just read. Marcus will come up at the end of service today. He'll orient us to the, the orientation and how you might choose to engage with it. But for now, know that this art installation is just another way to physically enter into your Lenten journey. I want to close with an official invitation from the Book of Common Prayer. I think it's really beautiful. Dear people of God, the first Christians observed with great devotion the days of our Lord's passion and his resurrection, and it became the custom of the church to prepare for them by a season of penitence and fasting. The season of Lent provided a time in which converts to the faith were prepared for holy baptism. It was also a time when those who, because of notorious sins, had been separated from the body of the faithful, were reconciled by penitence and forgiveness and restored to the fellowship of the church. Thereby, the whole congregation was put in mind of the message of pardon and absolution set forth in the gospel of our Savior and of the need which all Christians continually have to renew their repentance and faith. I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church, to the observance of a holy Lent, by self-examination and repentance, by prayer, fasting, and self-denial, by reading and meditating on God's holy word, and to make a right beginning of repentance. Come now and receive the sign of the cross, and remember that your life is in him.